um, encounter the encounterings of Jesus after his resurrection, his encounterings with some of his followers. And um, so we are in that third week. And this week, I get to preach on Thomas, which we probably all know as Doubting Thomas. Um, and so I'm excited to preach today on that and, and just kind of get to look at, like, what can we learn from him? Uh, but before I do, let's pray. Um, yeah, you join me in prayer. God, I thank you for just who you are. God, I thank you for the fact that you are faithful. I thank you for the fact that you are good. I thank you for the fact that you are ever-present. I thank you for the fact that even when we don't feel it or we don't see it or we don't um, understand it, that you are at work, that you are moving. God, I give you my words. Just pray that you would speak through me. Real tangibly, Lord, I just pray that I don't cough. God, we thank you and we glorify you. In your name I pray, amen. So before we jump in and I read us the passage, I want to ask this question for us to think through as we walk through Thomas's encounter with Christ. If we look at this as God encountering or Jesus encountering Thomas in a moment of doubt, and we look at it as like a benefit versus a bad thing, then it, it makes me think of the question, what would it look like if, like Thomas, we allowed God or Jesus to encounter us in our own moments of doubt? So in John 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told, them, told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I'm sure, I don't know about you guys, but many of us probably grew up hearing that story and it being it carrying this weight of like don't be a doubting Thomas right like don't ask questions don't doubt like Thomas doubted and there's a lot to unpack in those like what five verses like we could we could take each verse and just like 
have a whole sermon series just on that. But today I want us to focus in on how God, how Jesus encountered Thomas. Jesus didn't come in and say right off the bat, like, Thomas, why are you doubting? Jesus came and he said, hey, here, here's my hands. Hey, here, here's my side. And that question that I think is why people bring the shame on, that, that question of like, have you believed because you have seen me? In, in certain translations, it's actually a statement. It's not a question. And so with the question, it seems to bring shame and like this idea of you're not supposed to ask questions. But when it's a statement, it's more like Jesus is saying like you, you believe because you see me, but those that are going to come after you won't have that ability. They're not going to have the ability to put their hands in my scars. They're not going to have the ability to put their hand in my side, which can we just say for just a second, like, that'd be a little trippy, right? Like, if a, a person came up and was like, hey, come here. Don't just put your hands in my scar, but, like, actually put your hand. It doesn't say on his side. It says in his side. Like, that's a little grody. I'm going to be real. It kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. Like, whew, all right. You see, Jesus met Thomas in his moment of doubt. But here's the kicker, is like we've always been taught, at least I was always taught, that Thomas was doubting and asking if Jesus was real or Jesus was alive. And he was, but he was more doubting the disciples, right? He was doubting this group of people who had just, been, who had just seen Jesus, and he's like, excuse me? Like, he's alive? I'm sorry, what? And I don't know about you, but like, I would doubt too. Like if the person who I had always grown up thinking, this is what I knew about the Messiah. Like they had been taught their whole life that the Messiah was gonna come. He was gonna restore Israel, right? And they were waiting for that. And then all of a sudden that didn't happen the way they expected. And most of us have also grown up knowing about death in the sense that when you die, you, you're you're dead. You don't rise again. So Thomas's mind is like literally being blown. Like everything he has known has just gone up in smoke. And he's supposed to believe 11 other people? Like, I wouldn't. I don't blame him. I would be in the same boat. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Unless I see it with my own eyes. I don't believe it. You see, Thomas, what, we, what Thomas isn't told here is that Jesus appeared to the disciples the same exact way as he appeared to Thomas. In the section above, Jesus comes to the disciples and does the exact same thing. He walks through a door and he says, peace be with you. Here are my scars. So why does Thomas get such a bad rap? Why is it bad for us to ask questions or for us to doubt when Jesus knew, like, hey, you're going to have questions. You're going to have doubts. And Jesus comes, and he, I almost imagine 
him having this very like peaceful composure like a like a parent with a child or or a, an adult with another adult in a season of of uncertainty you don't like come and berate someone when they're asking a lot of questions like you don't just be like just understand it like just get it together like i don't understand why you're not doing this but instead it's like this moment of of calm of like hey like peace be with you like come here and see for yourself come see that i'm with you The beauty that I see in this is that Jesus didn't shame Thomas for doubting, but he met him in his doubts. He understood Thomas's need to see. And so I wonder what would it look like for us if we said, okay, God, okay, Jesus, like, I'm doubting. I'm having a hard time understanding your love. Like, I'm just, I'm picking on that specific thing because this is what I know your love to be true, but this is how I'm seeing people who claim your name rolling it out. Like, this is how I see them saying your love is true, and I don't understand. And I'm doubting. And instead of us pulling away and retreating and going into ourselves and trying to figure it out, what would it look like if we just opened ourselves up and said, meet me? come into that doubt like what would be the equivalent of Jesus showing you his hands and his side instead of doubting Thomas being something that carries the weight of shame and almost this question of faith right like when I grew up this idea of a doubting, if you, were, if you were doubting, then you were questioning your faith. You were questioning everything you believed, everything you knew. And that meant that you weren't like a strong, faithful person. And so I didn't ask questions because I had faith. And I had, I had faith. And then I became a part of this church it caused me to ask all sorts of questions. And I realized that my faith grew deeper when I started allowing myself to ask for Jesus to show me. When I started to open myself up, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I am like, I have this tangible faith. Like, doubt means to have uncertainty, right? It's like you're kind of, like, wavering. A faith that transforms is a faith that is grounded, but you can't be grounded in things that you don't understand. And if we don't ask questions, then how can we understand? And so Thomas, he's showing us, like, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, like, be able to say, like, hey, this doesn't make sense. And why doesn't it make sense? This, this weekend, when I was up in, in Columbus, I was sitting around the table with other pastors, and 
and one of them looked at me and he was like, so why do you do what you do? Which is like the most intimidating question in the whole wide world. And I was like, I don't know. And I had to think, and I had, I had my whole, like I, I said a whole thing. And then later on in the conversation we were talking and we were talking about justice and we were talking about love and we were talking about this idea of like, equal, like, like actual equality. And I had that moment of like, we shy away, and I said this, I was like, this is why I do what I do. Because we, we want to go to where it's comfortable. And for most of my life, comfort meant having faith with no questions. No questions asked. Just believing. And that was enough. But then moving here, becoming a part of this wonderful family, I started to unravel that. And I started to ask questions. And in that, I started to realize that Jesus was so much bigger and that he could handle every single question. And that in my doubt, my faith got stronger. And that seems kind of weird. And, and if you're here and you're sitting here and you're like, I'm, I believe and, I, and there's like the faith and, the, and there's no doubts, then awesome. I don't want you to feel like you're discounted at all. But if you're also sitting here and you're like, I'm like Thomas. I want to see his hands. I want to see his side then that's okay too. Like There's space for, for everybody. There's space for both. And one does not carry more greatness than the other. One does not carry shame over the other. But there's room and there's space for both. Because, you know, the beauty of John is he then wrote in the verses that follow, he says, in verse 30, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This, like, these encounters, they weren't written down for the disciples. They were written down for, for you and for me. So that when we're doubting and we're like, this blows our mind because, let's be real, the death and resurrection of Christ kind of blows everything we've known to. And it's kind of hard to grasp. Like, trying to explain it to Genevieve this year, I'm going to be real, it's been a whole other level. Because I'm like, yeah, this isn't as simple. And she's like, well, why? Why, Mom? Why? 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 I'm like, I don't have all the answers to these whys. But so Jesus, like, these encounters, these are for us because the reality is we won't get to physically touch his hands here on this earth. And we won't get to physically put our hands in his side on this earth. And so the challenge is greater for us, and Jesus recognizes that. He says, like, 
Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. The challenge we have is so much greater than that of the disciples. And God is like meeting us in that. He meets us in that blessing. He recognizes the need to understand. And that's why he, he has these. We have these recordings of these accounts. You see, Jesus wasn't upset or intimidated that Thomas asked questions. He wasn't upset. He wasn't, he wasn't surprised, right? Like, he wasn't surprised that Jesus asked questions or that Thomas asked questions. Oh, Lord. Like, he just walked right in. So if Jesus wasn't surprised by Thomas, why would he be surprised by us? Jesus gets our need to understand. He gets our need to have answers. And, like, as much as he understands our need to have answers, the reality is, like, we don't always get to have answers, right? Like, doubt doesn't always doesn't always lead to understanding. Sometimes, even in minutes, moments of doubt, we have to choose, okay, I don't get this, God, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that your disciples saw you. I'm going to believe in who I know you to be. I'm going to believe in your love. I'm going to believe in your comfort. I'm going to believe in all of those things. And that's what keeps us going, right, when we don't have the answers to our questions. But I, I, I ask again, like, what would it look like if, like Thomas, we allow Jesus to encounter us in our doubts. And that's not just as individuals. Like, yes, look at it individually. Take that in. But as a collective, like as the church, as the body of Christ, not just one church, but like the church as a whole, what freedom would come from us allowing God to encounter us in doubt? What feeling of relief might wash over some of us? Or maybe healing the belief that you couldn't ask questions. Or healing or healing our relationship with the church. You see, in Jesus' moment with Thomas, not only does he encounter him, his, encounter him in his doubt, but he also restores Thomas's trust and belief in his fellow disciples. He says, like, look, they weren't lying to you. I'm right here. And I think for some of us, that's where we're at. And maybe in our doubt right now, 
it's not so much about us believing in Jesus or who he is, but it's the restoration of our trust and faith in the church at large. And what would it look like if we let Jesus into there? Pray with me. Father, 